Welcome to Keeping Fit with Stories. Today's story is going to take you 3,000 steps closer to your fitness target. So, deep breath. And let's begin. A flesh-eating demon, a corpse, vomit that has magical powers. Intrigued? Walk with me, I'll tell you the story. So today's story comes from a most unusual book called the Brihat Gatha. Loosely translated, that means the Library of Great Romances. It was written in about the 6th century AD by a man called Gunadhya. And he wrote this book not in Sanskrit, as you would expect from a great scholar, but in a language called Peshachi. Peshachi is the language of the Peshach, the uh, goblins, the trolls, the demons, etc. Basically, a lower category of ghosts. And he wrote it in Peshachi because he had lost a bet. And this was one of the conditions of the bet. But the book is a lot of fun because it was all written as a sort of rebellion. You see, Gunadhya was really angry about losing the bet. So he wrote the entire text in a tantrum and everything in it is just slightly upside down. So the romances, for instance, are not based on the gods and the heroes like in classical literature, but on the loves and the lusts of the aerial spirits. Basically, all supernatural creatures who can fly, whether they're good or they're bad. And even his human heroes are not the warriors and the Brahmins that we had come to expect, but rather the merchants and the traders. His celebration is all about material success and the joys of acquisition. He's definitely a man after my own heart. Unfortunately, after writing it, Gunadhya burnt the entire book. As I said, the whole thing was a tantrum from start to finish. But the stories were so beautifully written that the king ordered everyone to go and collect them again from wherever they could find them, from whoever had heard them, the clouds, the winds, the animals, the birds. Even if they were in fragments, they would piece them together. But he needed all the stories collected again. Today's story is one such fragment. And apparently this one was saved for us by the sparrows. So here goes. Once upon a long time ago, in the bustling town of Berry, somewhere in the northwest of India, there lived a very successful cloth merchant called Dindayal and his beautiful wife, Prema. Now, Prema was truly a wonderful wife in every way. She was beautiful, she was devoted, she was loving. But in spite of all that, Dindayal was always chasing after other women. And what was worse, he had absolutely no discernment whatsoever. He would chase after any woman who was prepared to encourage him. I mean, obviously he preferred the pretty ones, but really he was happy with anyone who said yes. One day, as luck would have it, Dindyal was riding along on his horse down a deserted road when all of a sudden he saw a beautiful young woman walking all by herself sobbing her heart out. Her hair looked like tangled strands of silk lace from where she had been pushing it off her face. Her eyes were brimming with tears. They looked like twin stars drowning in pools of scented water. 
Her full, soft lips glistened with the tears that had rolled down her cheeks and onto them. Honestly, she looked like a little fallen angel whose wings had got damaged. Dindayal immediately stopped to help. Well, she was obviously in need of help and he was certainly not going to give up the opportunity of comforting a woman as beautiful as this one. And so, making his voice as sympathetic as he could, Dindayal asked the young woman what was wrong. Young woman turned her big round eyes towards him and between sobs and hiccups, she told him her whole tragic story. My name is Tara, she said, and I'm so sad because my husband died a few weeks ago and I have no money and I have no home and I don't even have a family because my parents are also dead. And today I'm on my way to the town of Berry because I found out that some of my husband's relatives live over there and I'm going there to ask them for help. But I keep thinking, what if they won't help me? What if they turn me away? Then what will I do? How will I live? Oh, I am so sad and so helpless. For Dindayal, this was like a dream come true. You know, he had always dreamt of a situation like this, that one day, out of nowhere, the gods would suddenly deliver into his lap a beautiful young woman who, through some miracle or other, would be completely dependent on him. And not only had the gods answered his prayers this time, but they had thrown in a bonus as well because this woman, along with being very beautiful and completely helpless, was also a complete stranger to his town. No one knew her there and so there would be no danger of his wife ever finding out. It was truly his lucky, lucky day. It did not take Dindayal very long at all to convince this delicate, helpless young woman to accept his help. And very soon, they were both on their way to town together, with Tara sitting comfortably on his horse in front of him and his arm gently but firmly across her shoulders to make sure that she didn't fall off. When they got into town, he got right down to the business of renting a house for her. Right at the other end of town from his own house, of course. But he got her a house, he got her some furniture, he got her some pretty clothes and anything else that she wanted. And in no time at all, Tara had become the mistress of his heart. Dindyal felt that he was the luckiest man in the world. And every day, he thanked the gods for bringing this sweetheart into his life. But one day, as he was on his way back home, Dindyal ran into a priest. But before he could even greet him or he could say anything, the priest had gasped and backed away from him with such a look of horror on his face that Dindyal just froze in his tracks. He had no idea what was going on. Now, the priest immediately apologized. He said, forgive me for frightening you, my son, but the thing is, you are cloaked in the smoke of death. I can tell that you are under a magic spell. You are bewitched and your soul has been possessed by an evil demon who plans to kill you very soon. Your life, my boy, hangs by the thinnest of threads. 
sense. Now, Dindal was not in the mood to listen to all this mumbo-jumbo about demons and death curses and so on. For one, he had just spent the afternoon with his Tara and he was in a super good mood. And for another, well, priests were always doing this sort of thing, weren't they? Offering to protect people against the invisible forces of evil in return for money. Funny how the forces of evil were always invisible and how money was always the answer to everything? Yeah, the priest had probably just noticed his expensive clothes and his beautiful jewelry and decided to try his luck. And so he laughed away the warning and got back onto his horse. But before he could ride away, the priest stopped him one more time and said, it's okay if you don't want to listen to me today, but if you find yourself in trouble, come to me and I will try my best to help you. And saying that, the priest left. Now, Dindyal definitely did not believe what the priest had said, but somehow his words kept playing around and around in his head. Could there be some truth to this whole thing after all? Was there an evil demon who was after him? Was his life really in danger? Over the next few hours, he became more and more consumed with these thoughts, particularly by the thought of his own death. It was most unpleasant. And then a worse thought came to his mind. If he died, what would happen to his fortune, to all his money? And what would happen to his little Tara? Who would look after her? But almost immediately, an even more awful thought occurred to him. The only person who could possibly have bewitched him was Tara. Dindyal was a very shrewd businessman, entirely lacking in emotion of any kind, unless it was to do with money. The only person who had ever made his heart beat faster was Tara. Could she be the evil demon? But no, surely not, not Tara. She was so beautiful and delicate and she was always so happy to see him. She couldn't be an ugly flesh-eating demon, could she? No, 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 he refused to accept it. Fortunately, however, his brain was not as easy to convince as his heart. And all night long, his doubts and fears continued to grow. He thought back to their first meeting. You know, he hadn't even checked up on her story. He had just taken her word for it, that her husband had died, that she had come from this other village, that there were relatives in Barry that she wanted to visit and so on. He had been so focused on making her his mistress and making sure that his wife didn't find out about her, that he might have made a terrible, terrible mistake. And so, as I said, all night long, Dindyal tossed and turned in his bed, logic fighting with desire, wanting to believe that all was well, but attacked by fears and doubts. Early the next morning, he set out for Tara's house. He was going to check for himself what was going on. See, Dindyal never went to see his mistress in the mornings. That was his trading time, his work time. And so he knew that Tara would not be expecting him and he would get to see the reality for himself. 
tying his horse down the road, he walked the rest of the way in the shadows of the trees and the hedges very carefully, very quietly to his mistress's house. But as he tiptoed up to the window to peer inside, he saw something there that frightened him almost to death. His worst fears had been realized because instead of the beautiful woman that he had been expecting to see, there in front of him stood the most hideous, frightening demon that he had ever seen. You know, it's a wonder that he hadn't dropped down dead from fright right then and there. Poor Dindyal. He tried his best not to make a sound, but his teeth were chattering and his knees were knocking against each other and his bones were shaking through his entire body. And he was petrified that the demon might hear him and come out after him. I mean, he didn't know how powerful a demon's hearing was. His experience of demons up to now had been pretty limited. Fortunately, however, the demon didn't see him or hear him. He was far too busy concentrating on something else. He was bending over a table doing something. Dindyal peered a little bit closer to get a better look. And what he saw there frightened him even more. The demon was painting the face of a beautiful woman on a scrap of human skin. He finished painting it, put it to his face, and hey presto, the demon had suddenly transformed into the delicate little Tara of Dindyal's dreams. Poor Dindyal had never been more scared in his life. It made him sick to think how close he had come to death, to think that he had invited this creature into his own life and paid good money to keep him close. He felt like an absolute idiot. But all that was for later. The first thing to do was to get the hell out of here. Once again, tiptoeing very quietly and very carefully in the shadow of the trees and the hedges, Dindyal went back to where his horse was tied. He jumped onto his horse and he rode as fast as he could to the priest who had warned him about all this in the first place. Falling at his feet, he told the priest everything that had happened and begged for his help. The priest listened to everything very sympathetically, but unfortunately, he wasn't particularly helpful. I'm not sure what I can do, he said. This situation is far worse than I had imagined. This demon has been extremely close to you. He has absorbed your soul, your aura. He knows all of your weak points. He knows how to get to you. But you have to do something, said Dindyal. You have to help me. I have nobody else. The priest thought for a moment. Then he went into the temple and came back out carrying a talisman. Here, he said, take this. It's not invincible, but I have dipped it in holy water, so it will give you some protection at least. It won't destroy the demon, but... It'll hold him up for a short while, maybe even long enough for you to escape. Go, I will pray for you. Poor Dindyal was so frightened. He went back home and he told his wife all about what had happened. The whole story, well, sort of the whole story of how he had found this beautiful young woman crying by the roadside, how he had helped her out of the sheer 
goodness of his heart and how fate had repaid his kindness with this cruel, cruel joke. His wife's reaction, however, was distinctly unsympathetic. She didn't believe a word of her husband's story. I mean, flesh-eating demons, death curses. It was all so far-fetched. And also, she knew that he was a bit of an idiot when it came to women. He had probably got himself into trouble with some woman or other, and probably the woman's husband had now found out and was threatening to beat him up or something. Well, whatever it was, it served him right. Hopefully, it would teach him a lesson as well. Poor Dindyal. He was petrified. He knew the reality. He knew exactly what kind of danger he was in. But there was no one who could share his fears. That night, after his wife had gone to bed, Dindyal went and hung up the talisman on the front door, just as the priest had said. And then... Far too frightened to go to sleep, he sat down by the window, peering out into the darkness, waiting and watching. And as the clock struck two, and as the clock struck two, he heard the sound of footsteps on the gravel outside. Okay, we're taking a quick stretch as I explain to you why 2 o'clock at night and not 12 midnight as most people think. You see, in Hindu belief, 2 o'clock is the time when the moon shifts into its next phase. And at this point, the energy is so high that all the creatures of darkness come out to absorb this energy. This is when they are at their strongest. Okay, are we ready to go back to walking? Five, four, three, two, one. Back to the story. So we were with Dindyal, who, unable to sleep, petrified for his life, is waiting by the window, peering out into the darkness, when the clock strikes two, and he hears the sound of footsteps on the gravel outside. And there, bathed in the silver light of the moon, walking towards the house, looking more enchantingly beautiful than she had ever done before, is his mistress, Tara. Her long black hair is lifting gently in the night breeze like the waves of the ocean of pleasure. Her lips, soft and red, are curving into a gentle smile. Her white sari is glowing in the magic of the moonlight. And all of these things that would normally have delighted his heart to bursting point today, all that beauty simply adds to his misery. Why, oh why, oh why did she have to be a demon? But suddenly Tara stops. She spots the talisman on the door. She stops, she frowns, and then she takes a couple of very quick steps backwards, almost as though something has pushed her back. And for a moment, it looks as though she might actually go away. Dindya lets out a deep sigh of relief. It's working. But unfortunately, Tara wasn't going anywhere. As Dindya looked up again, he noticed that his mistress had summoned to herself a strange-looking hammer which she was holding in her hand 
and walking once more towards the door. He could see that there was a blinding green light coming out of it. Tara held up the hammer and she swung at the talisman with it. The talisman resisted by shooting back bolts of lightning at her, but she fought on, dodging the lightning, constantly hitting at the talisman, till finally, with one mighty swing, she shattered the lucky charm into a thousand little useless bits of glass. She had won. And then, with nothing else to block her path, she walked straight into the house. Tara walked into the house and in front of Dindyal's horrified eyes, she dropped her disguise, turned back into the ugly flesh-eating demon, threw him down onto the ground, tore open his chest, ripped his heart out and devoured it, chewing each little tiny bit of it with great relish, slurping up all the warm, fresh blood that was oozing out. And then, with a laugh that would freeze the blood in your veins, the demon turned into a spiral of smoke and disappeared into the clouds. Dindyal's murder came as a huge shock to his family. His wife particularly, she wept and she wept and she wept. She blamed her husband entirely for this tragedy. He was the one who had been unfaithful and he was the one who had brought the demon into their lives. He deserved everything he got, but she didn't. She didn't deserve any of this. See, you have to remember that this was all happening about 1500 years ago when women had no independence at all. They could not go off and live on their own and widows particularly had no place at all in society. As a widow, Prema would have to give up everything. She'd have to go into permanent mourning and go and live on some horrid little ash heap somewhere, which frankly did not suit her at all. Dindyal had been a rich man and she deserved to enjoy that money. And for that, she needed him alive, not dead. So, Leaving her husband's corpse on the floor where he had been killed, Prema goes back to see the priest, the one who had given her husband the talisman, to ask for his help. Unfortunately, the priest cannot help her. He says that his magic is not strong enough to bring people back from the dead. But he knew a man who could. He tells her about this old man who lives on the edge of the cremation ground. He says that the man pretends to be a poor beggar but actually, he is a very powerful tantric, and if anyone can bring her husband back from the dead, it is he. Prema immediately set off to go and see the old beggar, but I'm not sure that finding him was particularly a blessing. The old beggar was the filthiest person that she had ever seen. He reeked of sweat and stale urine. His face was streaked with black soot from the cremation pyres. His clothes were torn. His nails were filthy. And stuck in his beard were what looked like bits of flesh and dried blood. People said that he ate the flesh of the corpses who were brought to the cremation ground. And if no dead human was available, he ate whatever animal he could find. 
and looking at him, Prima could believe every single story she had ever heard about him. He frightened her. But there was no time to think about all that. She was on a mission. She needed his help. And so, kneeling at his crusty, filthy feet and trying not to breathe in the stench that enveloped him, she begged with him to bring her husband back to life. The old beggar simply laughed at Prema. What makes you think I can do that, he said. Look at me. I don't even have a home where I can live. I live on this cremation ground. I don't have food to eat. I eat the flesh of corpses. If I could do magic, don't you think I would have helped myself first? It was a good point, but Prema somehow believed the priest. She believed that this hideous old man could help her. And so she continued to beg and plead and plead and beg and morning turned to afternoon and afternoon turned to evening, but still Prema continued to beg and plead and plead and beg till finally, totally fed up with this woman and her constant crying, the old beggar spat on the ground in front of him. And he said, if you eat my dirty spit from the ground over there, I will bring your husband back to life. You know, even the thought of it makes me want to throw up. And actually, Prema almost ran at this point as well. But then she remembered how important this was to her, that she needed to bring her husband back to life for both their sakes. So taking a deep breath, she ate the beggar's spit. However, as soon as she had done this, the beggar jumped to his feet, laughed a really ugly little laugh and said, you are the stupidest woman I have ever met. You don't even know when you're being cheated. And saying that, he turned and he ran away into the darkness and disappeared out of sight. Poor Prema was crushed. All her efforts had gone to waste and with the old beggar gone, her chances for bringing her husband back to life had also disappeared. Empty-handed and in tears, Prema returned home. Dindyal's corpse was still lying on the floor of the house where she had left it this morning. She hadn't let anyone take him away because she had really hoped to be able to bring him back to life. Now, she crouched over his body sobbing helplessly and uncontrollably, her tears rolling down her face and onto his torn open chest beneath. It was truly a horrid sight. The flesh of the chest was in shreds from where the demon had ripped it apart. His insides were all falling out and there was a great big gaping hole where the heart had once been. Nobody deserved this. And in spite of all his stupidity, she had really loved him, you know. She so wished that she had believed him when he had told her that weird story. She wished that somehow she had been able to help him. In her grief, Prema tried to gather him up in her arms. She tried to close that chest. She tried to seal the ends together, even though there was no life left in it. There was no heart in it. She wanted him to know that she still loved him. But the main thought nagging away at her brain right now over and above all the love that she was feeling for her dead husband, the main thought nagging away at her brain right now was the taste of the beggar's spit in her mouth. 
She just couldn't get rid of that taste from her mouth and it was making her feel really sick. When she had first eaten it back at the cremation ground, she had thought she was going to throw up then, but somehow she had managed to contain herself. Now, she couldn't hold it in any longer. But before Prema could get up, before she could even turn her head away, she vomited right there into Deen Dayal's open, ripped-out chest. Suddenly, however, the strangest thing happened. Prema's vomit, as it fell into her husband's chest, turned into a beating heart. And the splatters of the vomit that had fallen on the outside turned into some kind of glue that sealed the skin shut. And miraculously, the man came alive. You'll be happy to know that Dindyal recovered fully. It took him a bit of time. He was quite weak in the beginning, but it truly was a miracle. He returned to normal life. But even when he returned to normal life, one thing he never did again, he never ever looked at another woman as long as he lived. He had learned his lesson and so no matter how attractive the woman was, he wouldn't even look at her. He stayed entirely faithful in mind and body to Prema, to the woman who had saved his life. And Prema? Prema took over control of both him and his business. And for the rest of their lives, she never let him forget that whatever beautiful clothes he might choose to wear on the outside, on the inside, he was made up of her vomit. <laughs> 